0: Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Cleese Smith. It's the Fall Fun Drive! woo We're putting the fun in Fun Drive. We're We're trying. We're going to try because (laughs) it is fun to bake this show for you every day, and it costs money. NEPM is listener-supported. Yes, there's a tiny bit of money that comes from the federal government, but the vast majority of the money that makes public radio work here in this building and beyond comes from listener contributions from people like you by calling... This number, 800-639-8850 or by going to NEPM.org. And one of the fun things about doing
1: this particular show has just been showing
0: the intense diversity that this
1: area has, not just talking to indigenous populations, Asian populations, black populations, just finding out how rich our culture actually is here in Western Mass. And you can help support that by your contribution today, 800-639-8850.
0: Plus it allows us to do things like when the Green River Festival is going to be sold, have that information on the air for you that day. The resurgence of the Iron Horse was on the show that day. We need support from people like you to get that information out to you, information that we want to share that deserves to be on the radio, 800-639-8850. One of the things we do every Friday is wine taste, and you usually can't do that with us. But today, <laughs> and today only, you can not only wine taste with us, you can wine taste with the travel expert Rick Steves, 800 639 8850 mark the date for February 7th make a contribution of $12.50 a month you will get 6 half bottles and you get to travel through France without leaving your home over zoom with Rick Steves and probably Colise and I drinking together in our very own type of wine thunderdome 800 639-8850.
1: <laughs> I mean it's a great opportunity for you to taste with us. Please please support us now 800-639-8850. But today on today today on the show, hopefully I will have a little better command over the language than I did yesterday, oh, but I'm showing that that's not true. Don't
0: worry about it because the word nerd <laughs> Emily Brewster from Greenfield will talk about all the ways Noah Webster from Springfield, tried to reform the way we spell words in English.
1: And Hampshire College's
0: Salman Hamid, who witnessed the first Pakistani go to space as part of Virgin Galactic's space tourism program. He's coming up, and today, don't forget, 800-639-8850, this hour and all throughout the day. Rick Steves is available for you, but first... In our ongoing effort to talk to all of the candidates running for mayor in the 413 area code, we continue that conversation now.
1: The current mayor of Pittsfield is not running for re-election, so seeking to fill that role is Peter Marchetti, who joins us today.
0: Peter Marchetti was born, raised, educated in the Berkshires, went to Pittsfield High School, Berkshire Community College, and North Adams State College, which is now MCLA, Mass College of Liberal Arts. He is currently the senior vice president of retail banking operations at Pittsfield Cooperative Bank. But not only has he been working at the bank for
1: 35 years, he's been working with and for the Pittsfield City Council for 30 years, including as Vice President
0: and currently as the Council's President. He says on his campaign website, he says he enjoys spending time with his dogs, Boo Boo, Zorro, Zeus, and Wilma, and his cats Bubba and Shadow, and spends his leisure time bowling and coaching youth bowling, as well as baking and gardening. I and don't know if you're going to make a great mayor, Peter Marchetti, but you sound like a cool guy to hang out with. And
1: I mean, like, we should ask what you're going to do for the city, but honestly, I need to ask you where the names for your pets came from.
2: So ironically, all four were named not by me. Um <laughs> When a dog is three months old, I don't think you change their name.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Zorro's going to have an identity crisis, though. That's Fox is what Zorro means in Espanol. <laughs> um, we asked the same question of the person who's running against you for mayor of Pittsfield, John Kroll, earlier in the week. But give us the elevator pitch as to why you want to be the mayor of Pittsfield.
2: So I think that Pittsfields are the crossroads. and. And we can look at the past four administrations and really see some great work that they've done. And now's the time to continue to build off that. And we have some issues like every other small city in America that that needs to be addressed. And we're ready to tackle those issues of mental health and substance use. Crisis and job creation, economic development, education, our infrastructure. And, you know, I think our city needs to expand upon communication and have a better dialogue with the residents of Pittsfield as to what's happening. And so now is the time to take on that challenge.
0: One of the things that we spoke to John Kroll about, who's running against you for mayor of Pittsfield, Peter Marchetti, is uh, police and policing. What would you do differently in the city of Pittsfield now, if anything, in response to? addressing crime and public safety issues.
2: So we have talked from the very beginning of the campaign to create a task force for mental health and substance use abuse. And I think that much of our crime and our homelessness and and a variety of other issues is coming from there. And so right off the the bat, we'll establish that task force. And at the same time, we, from a policing standpoint, the the next mayor has the ability to appoint the next police chief for the city of Pittsfield. And as part of that process, we need to be having a conversation of what is that policing philosophy that we want to embolden into Pittsfield and, and to unleash It's more than just putting police on our our downtown, it's putting police and mental health workers or social workers together.
0: What about Pittsfield taking a model from other cities in the area? Amherst has a department of a co-response department, Northampton is developing one. Some other cities are working with outside agencies to have these kind of co-response things. Is that something that you as mayor of Pittsfield would consider or work towards?
2: Well, so we already have two co-responders on staff. I mean, we just added a second one recently. My goal would be to have someone on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And When I say that we need to create a mental health task force, the city needs to take the lead. Absolutely, the co-responder model expansion of that is definitely in the, in the plans.
1: Are these some of the things that you would take into consideration while looking for a new police chief since the position is kind of empty at the moment?
2: Well, So we have an interim police chief. And again, as we go through the process of opening this, the civil service process to hire a a permanent police chief in one. That's part of the conversation of, you know, what is your police philosophy? We've had some unfortunate incidences that have happened in the city. And in, in my belief, if we had more social worker mental health services available, we may not have crossed that bridge and had a experience that experience. And so that's part of the conversation as we move forward with selecting a chief.
0: We're speaking with Peter Marchetti, who is a candidate for mayor of Pittsfield. We spoke with his opponent earlier this week. We're endeavoring to speak to all the candidates for mayor in the 413 area code. Uh, we got a lot of assistance from our NEPM reporter, Nancy Cohen, and uh, figuring out different avenues to speak with you both about. And one of them has to do with housing and houselessness. Uh, I do believe later this afternoon, there's uh, the governor herself is going to be there addressing some of these issues. What would you do as mayor to help with the houselessness, the homelessness situation that Pittsfield and other communities across the Commonwealth are facing, especially in light of the migrant crisis that we're facing.
2: So we need to continue up on the path of some of the initiatives that we've put in place. Currently, we have a old dilapidated building that is referred to as the White Terrace Apartments that have recently been sold to a developer. And the plans are to be- to develop that structure into 41 affordable housing units. We are in the process of establishing a, a transition, transitional housing model where housing will be built. It's transitional housing. We get People into uh, the, the housing. While they're there, there are services that are provided that can help them move in the in the right direction and, and end up in some permanent housing. During the campaign, we've talked, we have an old abandoned school that is only used for storage. Um, the building is starting to decay, but it would be a perfect example of donating that building to a developer and allowing them the ability to create additional affordable housing. So that's a combination of building additional, but it's also very important that we hold our existing landlords, especially our out-of-town landlords, accountable for the condition of, of the housing that we have. And so I think there's always two key words when we talk about housing, and one of them is quality and the other is affordable, and both have different meanings to different people.
0: We're speaking with Peter Marchetti, who is running for mayor of Pittsfield. Khalees and I were just in Pittsfield last week. We had the opportunity to talk to some folks from the city. And uh, the idea that uh, panacea economic balloon is going to drop on Pittsfield, like another GE providing all these jobs. I think a lot of citizens may hope and pray that that is going to happen. That may not be actually realistic. What do you think the vision should be for employment to bring manufacturing, or other industries back to the city of Pittsfield to help boost the economic base.
2: So I think there's a three pronged approach to job creation, economic development. You know, I think there are still some folks that think that General Electric is going to mysteriously appear back in the city of Pittsfield and say, hey, we're here. Um, <laughs> I think we can all mostly acknowledge that that's not going to happen.
1: I mean, it's not mysterious. <laughs> They're coming back to clean up the mess that they made. Yeah, that they are going to do. <laughs> but that's hopefully, a hopefully that, that, yeah, that's,
2: that is the case in, in some some areas of, of Berkshire County. You know, we we need to make sure that we have the proper training so that folks that are looking for jobs have the skill set needed to be able to fill the vacant jobs that we have currently within the city. And, and there's a there's a good number of jobs that are vacant. Um, we need to be focusing on some kind of skills training that we easily could collaborate with both Berkshire Community College and, and Mass College of Liberal Arts to work on some of these projects. I think the second phase is, is really looking at, at our existing business space and spending the time to work with them and allow them to do their expansion plans that they wanna see. And we've seen a number of smaller companies start business in Pittsfield. Uh, I think the most important piece that we need to really be focusing on is our our GE PETA property that 20 years ago, GE started to turn over to the city. We have one major parcel that we call Site Nine that uh, has been a topic of conversation for a very long time. The city has been able to retain the resources to the tune of $13.5 million to redevelop those properties and get them business-friendly ready. Here's your parcel. It has utilities. It has everything you need. Now welcome to Pittsfield and let's get you a building and, and get you set up. Um, and that conversation uh, needs to happen quickly. And I, I think that we have to have the conversation of how much manufacturing is the Northeast really going to see in terms of new manufacturing. and do we really need to be focusing on uh, the 21st and, and, and possibly the 22nd century technology that we know the world is changing to.
1: You are very much a math person. Uh, You've got a degree in math. You taught math for 13 years. I'm just curious how, if the focus of your possible tenure as mayor is looking at increasing the financial literacy of your residents, because it seems like people may not necessarily understand why certain increases happen, where certain tax dollars are are actually moving to and how it affects them. And I know that transparency is is a key point to both of your campaigns. But I'm wondering how that gets translated down into residents interacting with your position in the office of mayor.
2: So, so I think I have a pretty good solid leg to stand on when it, when it comes to that. So yes, I have my bachelor's in math. I have a 35-year career at a local financial institution, which uh, most people look at me kind of oddly in today's day and age when I say yes, I've only had one employer for my whole adult life, 35 years. And, and part of what I did um, at the bank, and I'm currently on a leave. But part of what I did was financial literacy and, and educating the, the public on on those kind of things. And you know, we have to explain to the, to the public um, the processes. And and we hear, um, please don't raise my taxes. My my taxes are too high. There needs to be a conversation of how taxes are established. You know, I've voted many times, and the and the last couple of years to reduce the tax rate, um, but by reducing the tax rate, that doesn't necessarily mean that a, that a resident's tax bill has been reduced. You know, your tax bill is the tax rate plus your property values. And we know what's happening in at least the Berkshires in terms of property values and houses selling for more than they would have ever sold two or three years ago. And so that's a piece of the process, but then it's also, you know, where do your tax dollars go and educating the folks of, you know, your tax dollars are, are what's providing your, your police, your fire, your, your road plowing, but your education, and all the things of the quality of life that we have. And a person that I know has said to me, what would be outstanding if you could do, and I'm going to definitely explore the idea, is when you send out a tax bill, send out a letter that basically says, here is how all your tax dollars are spent and what you get out of your tax dollars. And I think if we, as a community are able to do that, people are gonna be like, wow, I get all this. Now, the, the, the key piece of that is then we have to deliver on those services.
0: Peter Marchetti is running for mayor of Pittsfield I'm not going to ask you which of your pets, Boo Boo, Zoro, Zeus, Wilma, or your cats, Bubba, or Shadow, you love the most. But if you had to choose one of those pets for Khalees and I to hang out with for the day, who do you think would be, uh, which pet? Which pet would be kindest
2: to us? <clears throat> so the youngest one, Wilma, would be um, the probably uh, most friendliest. Boo Boo, the oldest, would probably just sit there and lick your leg. Um, <laughs> Zoro would not even be in the same room with you. Oh. Um, so whenever, whenever somebody comes to visit, he is under my bed. Oh. And it takes it takes a lot of time and energy to make a relationship with Zorro. And um, mm-hmm. Zeus would just be jumping all over you because no matter if there's 15 people around paying attention, when the 16th person walks in, hey, what about me? What about me? You, you, <laughs> um, they all have unique personalities. And I think that in an effort not to offend the cat lovers, but I, I think my cats think they're dogs. <laughs> um, and so um, they clearly have picked up behaviors of the dogs. And it's, it's um best part of the day is you go home at night and there are Eight 16 legs, all saying, hey, daddy, where you been? No matter how bad your day is, we still love you. And that's kind of what helps at the end of the day to go home to some unconditional loving fur babies that help set the day straight.
0: Peter Marchetti running for mayor of Pittsfield. Election Day is Tuesday, November 7th. If you missed our conversation with his challenger, John Kroll, from earlier this week, you can check out the podcast at NEPM.org or check out the fabulous 413 wherever podcasts are available. Good luck with the rest of the campaign and thank you for spending so much
2: time with us. Thank you very much. The Fabulous 413
3: podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, helping customers make the switch to solar for savings, energy security, and tax incentives. Learn more at northeast-solar.com.
4: To boldly go where no man has gone before. Have some more
0: kitchen table astronomy with Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid, Mr. Universe, who has just come back from your first glimpse into the growing world of space tourism. Now, space tourism is something we both have been somewhat critical about. The idea that space programs started out maybe as part of the military-industrial complex in a way to try to create territory in space, the Cold War, all that. But now it has been opened up to the general public. But not everyone in the general public. You got a glimpse into this in New Mexico. Tell us what you witnessed.
4: Right. So I went there because there was a tourist uh, from Pakistan and going up. This person, i known her for close to about 40 years. Because mm-hmm. you're Pakistani. Because I'm from Pakistan. And when I, when I first met her, I, I had started an astronomy society in Karachi, and uh, this was like 87. And she joined, she was one of the first female members. And one of the first things she said was like, I want to go to space. And so she was one of those people who was absolutely fixated on going uh, to space. And she just had the opportunity aboard Virgin Galactic. So you know about SpaceX, uh, the Elon Musk venture. You have Blue Origins, which is uh, by Bezos. And then you have Virgin Galactic by Richard Branson. Virgin Galactic has its spaceport in New Mexico, actually pretty close to my grad school Mm -hmm. uh, in Las Cruces. In fact, that's where we stayed. So she had uh, some friends and family opportunity like you know that they could come and watch and so I went over there and I have mixed feelings about it but but overall I mean it's just fascinating because I mean again you can always put on sort of like a little bit of an academic hat and you actually get to see what is going on. So first of all, Spaceport is beautiful. I mean, New Mexico is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Fabulous (laughs) 505, I guess. (laughs) But then you also get to see the reality of space tourism. This was not a rocket launch, by the way. This is an interesting way the Virgin Galactic is doing. Uh, So it takes uh, what they call a mothership. It has sort of like two sides and in between, the spaceship is uh, attached to it. And then it goes up uh, a little over 50,000 feet and then it drops this space plane and the space plane has a rocket that then ignites and and then goes vertically up.
0: It launches like a
4: plane. Like a plane.
0: And then it, when it gets high enough, then it launches even further up. Right,
4: the... so it drops it. And that actually is kind of cool because what it does is, so it takes about 45, 50 minutes for it to get that high. Mm-hmm. And then it literally, it just drops the space plane. <laughs> space plane goes vertical, fires up its engines, and then it goes straight up. And we could see from the ground, just like this ignition. And then a trail, chemtrail basically come up and it goes up to a, close to a little over 50 miles, uh, which is considered as space by the US. Mm. Uh, international uh, space line is about 62 miles, that's a common line, but the US recognizes as 50 miles. And so it goes up over there, and then it just stops. And then it falls down right in there. And the people in the plane actually experience a few minutes of free-floating, zero gravity in that sense. Of course, there is gravity. I mean, that's what you feel.
0: Do they not feel the sense of gravity because they're falling or because they have hit this low Earth orbit where there is less gravity, like in the International Space Station? No,
4: well, International Space Station is also falling, right? So everything is constantly falling. So that's why they just don't feel because they are just falling Mm -hmm. towards it. And the plane goes upside down. How do I know this? Well, because... The day before, they gave us a full tour of the spaceport along with the simulator. They actually showed us what these astronauts are. I mean, again, I mean, astronauts, however you define yeah, it, or space with tourists. With air quotes. What they will be seeing and what will be happening. There were three space tourists and one pilot and that was there. Interestingly, the pilot also was Canadian of Pakistani origin. So that was actually kind of cool. To me, the other interesting thing, and... These people, when they came down, these uh, three space tourists, they actually talked about it, that they went enough above the atmosphere that the sky was dark. Hmm. It was during the daytime. It's bright blue sky. Oh, I miss New Mexico. Did I say I miss New Mexico? (laughs) Anyway, it's a big blue sky, beautiful. But they go high enough that actually you see dark sky Mm. and the moon was the first quarter and they could see the moon so you could see the sun and the moon and darkness wow and so that i think is really cool you can ask this question well okay this space tourism is it a fad it's gonna go away to me what was surprising was that no it's not a fad that's going to go away this is something that is building up for virgin galactic what they told us was that 800 tickets have already been sold for these flights and they right now they can take about one flight a month because then it takes how much of times to get it ready. With only three people on each flight plus a pilot. As passengers, yeah. And they, they want to get rid of the pilot too, by the way. They say like, there'll be four people up. I mean, it's all automated. <laughs> that would be really scary
0: to be a space tourist, astronaut with no training, and no pilot while in space.
4: Well, it's no longer no more scarier than self-driving cars uh, yeah. <laughs> with Tesla. He's got his own program. Yeah. The, so the ticket right now, it's about 450000 uh, my friend, by the way, she, uh, uh, this person sort of like from Pakistan, she actually went, uh, she had bought in like 17 years ago. Uh, this was a new, and that was 200,000. So yeah. not that. still much. just an idea. That's get in an, on the ground floor. That's exactly right. Get
0: way off the ground floor. But now
4: it's 450,000 and 800 tickets have been sold. And they're not selling more tickets. So Monty, uh, I did try, I was like, you know, hey, Monty wants to buy a ticket. And they said, no, sorry, sold out. (laughs) Uh, But they are planning on having more spaceports and also a slightly bigger plane that can take six people Mm -hmm. uh, as passengers. And that's just Virgin Galactic. SpaceX is actually taking people to orbital flights. This is suborbital. Uh, Blue Origins has plans. So to me, what it tells me is that this is not something that is a fad. And of course, there are other questions that comes with that. Okay, well, what are the environmental effects to that? Uh, Those are pretty serious. Because the fuel to take either planes and or rockets up into space is immense. That is something that you really have to think about it because the narrative around it is also about once you see the Earth from space, then your perspective fundamentally shifts. So this is something called the overview effect, coined by Frank White, who interviewed a lot of astronauts. In fact, Frank White himself was there for this particular launch as well. And I think that may be true. I mean, obviously, I haven't been up. I cannot even go on merry-go-round. I get sick, actually. (laughs) So I haven't gone up. But I think it's an interesting question about, yes, it gives you this perspective, but what is the cost of that? I mean, I love Carl Sagan. I mean, he wrote about the pale blue dot, like, you Mm. know, seeing the earth as a pixel. I mean, I think that gives me a far bigger overview effect without going to space. But I think environmental concerns are real. People who are going to space like this, they are enthusiastic about space. They may not be of the elk of Elon Musk, for example, who wants to nuke Mars and says, well, it doesn't matter. The the thing is that whether presenting it as an either or, either we go to space or we die, which is not the right uh, frame, I think. So a lot of people are actually concerned about these things. Uh, they are also in promoting STEM education. Uh, one of the space tourists is a prominent STEM educator, but I think that would be interesting to see if this kind of space tourism evolve to bring the environmental concerns in a different way, not just that we need to take care of the earth because we can see it from the space that it is fragile. I am really glad to have gone there because it was just a glimpse into this thing firsthand. I mean, we can all talk about it, but this was a great opportunity to actually meet people, talk to people, see people. Who are actually doing that? Who are actually doing that? I mean, I found it actually weirdly sympathetic as well because people are actually genuinely well-meaning in terms of thinking about making the world a better place. Tell me what your friend, who, is she officially the first Pakistani astronaut now? Well, yes. And again, in that context, yes. So yes. she's the first Pakistani in space. And she's also the first woman. What's her name? Uh, Namira Salim. Uh-huh. Namira Salim. You know, you've been friends with her for
0: decades. Did she seem fundamentally changed when she came back? It's so like only three minutes of right. weightlessness, but she did achieve her dream of going to outer space. Well, not outer space, but
4: space. Right. but but So I actually interviewed her the night before she went up. And then I interviewed her soon after she came back. For Kainat, which is in Urdu and English, it is available on YouTube, and sometimes I'm on there. That's right. (laughs) And so for Kainat Studio, so I interviewed her before thinking about what she imagines what it's going to be. And then I interviewed her after thinking about, well, what did she feel? First of all, this is one of those cases where dream come true is exactly what it is because this is what she always wanted to do. And she did that. She wanted to do somersaults in space, which she actually did. Yes, So I think that was interesting. One of the guys that were there with her, he's a filmmaker and he had tears in his eyes, even in space, you could actually see in the video, like, you know, that he was actually overcome with emotion. And when they came back, all three of them, I mean, they had hard to describe feelings because they were speechless to a certain degree. And Namira herself, she actually talks about it. And for her, the most amazing thing was this seeing the dark sky And the moon and the sun. You know, maybe five years down the road or one year down the road, she may say, okay, she may reflect on that and tell us how she changed. Because as you remember, Monty, we talked about William Shatner, James D. Kirk space. He went to space. He went on Blue Origins with Jeff Bezos. That goes a little bit higher. Uh, And when he came back, he was elated. He's 90 years old. It was quite amazing. What
1: you have given me
4: is the most profound experience I can have. So filled with emotion about what just happened. But then a few months later, in fact, his uh, autobiography has just come out a few months ago, in which he talked about how terrified he felt when he was out in space. He thought that this would be the most joyous thing that he would have ever done. And he was looking for it so much. And yet he felt utter darkness and he felt fearful of space. And he looked down and he goes like, what are we humans doing to this earth? Those were very different comments than the comments that he gave soon after he came back. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a an interesting time. I mean, there are two hats. One is, oh my goodness, space is so amazing. And this is a very special time. And then the critical hat that the cost that it takes, the cost to the environment that it takes, that is also happening at the same time. I genuinely hope that we don't do the same thing that we have done to the environment and we keep on doing and that is to keep on expanding our needs keep on getting our next day deliveries with amazon and other things while at the same time saying that we really need to save the environment i think there needs to be a reckoning with that space can be an interesting place where this reckoning can come from people who are actually influential and you go like, "You know what? We need to fundamentally change our thinking about it. We're not there yet. We're at the Greenfield
0: Public Library, the new one, with our resident word nerd who lives here in Greenfield, Emily Brewster. The place that words are kept. <laughs> in the library, from Merriam-Webster in Springfield. This is where we'll be talking with the candidate for mayor, Ginny DeSorger, tomorrow on the show. But we figured we'd just squat here.
1: Don't do that. They have a two-hour limit on these rooms, yeah. and they'll frown at you, but Monty did
0: some sweet talking. It is fun that you can reserve rooms here and have, like, a little office space for free in a library. Oh, libraries. Love uh,
3: libraries. I, I've been applauding this library in its building. Every time I drive by I I applaud, or I did before it was open and my kids were like, Mom, this is so stupid. Stop applauding for the library. And I Also put both hands on the wheel. Well, yes, (laughs) yes. Anyway.
0: Monday was Dictionary Day. Only for your dictionary or our dictionary, Merriam-Webster in Springfield, or is this a global holiday of dictionary?
3: I don't know if it's global, but it's definitely national. It is Dictionary Day. Yes, it's as official a holiday as a hot dog's day. You know. Right,
0: or Donuts Day. Right,
3: right all of those, yes. Do, do
0: you go to like the dictionary and get a free dictionary on Dictionary Day? Like, you can get a free donut on National Donut Day?
3: No, but if you are an employee of Merriam-Webster, you can go to the office in Springfield and have cake. Oh, right. Is that what you did? I was going to, but I, I didn't.
0: Okay, good, because if you didn't, didn't invite us. I'd feel hurt.
3: But you have to be an employee of Merriam-Webster. Well, we talk to you guys every week. We're like we're like
1: family. You're, you're like we can just like coerce both Emily and Peter into bringing us cake.
0: Yeah, Peter Sokolowski works with us. Come on, we couldn't be more ensconced. We couldn't get in more in bed with this dictionary. All right, Trick, I'll I'll
3: see it, what I can do for next year? Yes, get
0: Ammon into coming and getting us a third piece of cake. Yeah, Ammon Shea. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about Dictionary Day and why it was this Monday.
3: It was this Monday because that is Noah Webster's birthday. And so Dictionary Day is celebrated on his birthday because he is the father of American lexicography. He was the first to create a dictionary of American English. His first dictionary was in 1806. That was a pretty small dictionary. And then his bigger dictionary was 1828.
0: Noah Webster was successful in keeping his name as part of the dictionary of note in this country, Merriam Webster. was not always successful in all of his linguistic endeavors.
3: (laughs) No, he was not, but he was truly wildly successful. There is an irksome feature of the English language that many, many people really from as, as soon as you start encountering written language, English speakers recognize something that is just absolutely galling about the language. It is... It's inconsistency in its spelling. Yeah. Like it is an orthographic nightmare.
0: Does that mean like the birds? <laughs> oh no, that's ornithological nightmare. Yeah.
3: Different. Orthographic, meaning, you know, correct writing, graph writing, ortho, right. So, orthographic nightmare, you have words like, well, you know, all the O U G Hs, right? You've got T O U G H says though, R O U G H says rough. T-H-R-O-U-G-H says through. It is bananas, bonkers, ridiculous, and impossible. So Noah Webster, in addition to being a passionate lexicographer, wanting to record the English language as it was spoken on this continent, he also was a spelling reformer. He is absolutely the most successful spelling reformer. There have been many, many spelling reformers, people who wanted to simplify the English language, but he was far more successful than any of the others.
0: Who are some of the other ones? Would we have heard of any of them? Wasn't Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, one of them?
3: Yeah, Yeah, he was one of them. Uh, Dewey of the Dewey Decimal system was another one.
0: We have already wasted his system. Even here at the library, we don't use it anymore. Too bad, Dewey Decimal. (laughs) Webster lives on.
3: Dewey Decimal lives on also.
0: In our hearts. In our hearts.
3: Um, The most obvious of the spelling reforms that Noah Webster had a hand in making and instituting are the distinctions that we see between British English and American English, because he was only making these changes for American English, British English has adopted many of them, but can you think of any? The simpler spelling that American English has, are there any words that come to mind when you think of, oh, in in Britain they spell it like this, but in the United States we spell it like this?
1: The only thing
0: that comes to mind is the S versus Z thing.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Realize. Realize.
0: Because um, they use an S for realize. An S. Yeah. and we yes. use a Z yes yes. One that jumps to my mind is color. Oh yeah. and parlor where they spell it with an OUR and we spell it with an OR. Yes we in take humor. There's no U in color. Well there is
3: only one U in humor. Yes, just one U, not two. In American English. Yeah, the O-U-R, O-R. He said, you know, take out the U's. He took out the U's, and so we don't have those U's there. There's we, no U's for them. No use for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that one was pretty good. Thank, Thank you, Gleese.
3: How, how about this? G A O L. Oh! Jail! (laughs) Yeah! That is the most, I mean, that is such a ridiculous way to spell jail. So I I really appreciate his success in changing it for us to J-A-I-L. But I
0: appreciate that that's still in the dictionary because I use it in Scrabble all the time. G-A-O-L? Yeah. Do they still spell it that way in England?
3: Yeah, I believe what? that they do at least some Sometimes. of the time. A uh, draft is another one. I remember reading oh. that word when I was a kid, D-R-A-U-G-H-T and being like, what is this word, D-R-A-F-T in American English?
0: Makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. So
3: much more sense. Although I still
0: see it that way, D-R-A-U-G-H-T, in some hipster beer locations, I yeah. think.
3: Yes. yes. Oh, sure. so draft horses, I think, are sometimes, it's spelled A-U-G-H-T.
0: And sometimes now, they're carrying the beer.
3: Here comes the king, here comes the big number one. Sure, yeah. yeah. Especially on Super Bowl yeah.
0: commercials with cute little puppies. It's only in Milwaukee. Yeah.
3: Now, in some ways, the orthographic issue has to do with the pronunciation that no longer exists. So the G-H used to be like a <sighs> that back of the throat sound that still is very prominent in German and English being essentially, or at its core, a a Germanic language. Some of these spellings that we have now tossed aside reflected earlier pronunciation, but we don't talk like that anymore, so it's fine that we don't spell like that anymore also.
0: What are the things that Noah Webster, given that it was his birthday on Monday, dictionary day, in his effort to reform American English spelling, what were some of his failures?
3: Well, he wanted soup to be spelled S O O P. I like that. <laughs> no, it's stupid. I feel like S O O P is way more charming. Mm. You can't be like high flutton and have it be spelled S O O P. You yeah. can't
0: have fancy vichyssoise. No. No. If it's spelled S-O-O-P. S-O-O-P.
3: Actually, I think I think the Rendezvous should adopt the, the S-O-O-P spelling. Okay. Emily
0: Brewster, one of the owners of the Rendezvous in Turner's Falls. Also, a hard spelling and misspelled on the Shea thank you board for the original like founders of the Shea. And when we all saw it, we were like, oh God. Emily Brewster works for the dictionary and we spelled Rendezvous wrong on this thing. <laughs> ten of us looked at it. How did we miss this? Because it's French. <laughs> rendezvous. Yeah.
3: Okay, here's another one that he, he, he really failed on that makes so much sense, it's really just charming, um, is I-Z and was, W-U-Z, um, is and was. Yeah.
1: You see it in language when people are trying to inflect more direct speech patterns, but it's not standardized.
0: Yeah. Like you see it for patois or for, for dialect. You're not going to put no. it in a, an article for the Greenfield Recorder.
3: No, but Noah Webster used it in um, an important essay. He wrote a lot of different essays. I don't know how important this one really was, but (laughs) he, he used it in some of his writing sometimes, but then he gave up on it. It's really hard for a word that is so common to institute a wholesale change. It's just, it looks so weird to people. It's very hard to adopt a change like that, to one of the most common words in the English language were two of them, or they're the same word actually, is and was. Is and was. It's easier
1: to change the fringes than the things that we use at the core of the language.
3: Definitely. He was successful with the word mold. This is again, something you will see different in, you know, you'll see a distinction in British English and American English, right? M-O-L-D
0: as opposed to M-O-U-L-D. My job! Yeah, he just played the Drake.
1: Oh, did he? Yeah.
0: (gasps) This past Sunday it was sold out. It's okay. Yeah, it was almost Noah Webster's birthday. He was right before that. I think it was his birthday, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was his yeah. birthday. Aww. Anyway, yeah, he spells birthday it Bob.
0: He spells it British. Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday to do. With an umlaut over it.
3: Alright, I have mixed feelings about this one, but the reason we don't have a K in the word magical or magic. Is also because of Noah Webster.
0: That one feels more magic when the, you see it see written it with, the, with the K. You're which like, is why I
1: think that's kind of making a comeback. I mean, like, fiction has kind of run a little bit wild with using the K as part of magical. Right. So you see it, it, it's not a thing that we see in, again, like, standard writing or
0: rather like more factual writing. But in fiction, it's rampant. Or like if you spell fairy with an A E instead of just an A. And it yeah. really feels more magical with a K. Well, you get, like, a, not only the A-E, but the I-E at the end sometimes, right. totally. too. Totally. F-A-E-R-I-E. Doesn't get more magical than that with a K. it's
3: Now, the reason that magic lost its K is because there is a word magical. And so Noah Webster's theory was that you would release the k when there is a related adjective that just has the al so this is why there is a k on words like haddock and gimmick because there is no gimmickle there is no haddockle these were not wholesale changes that he made he wanted there to be a a, a discernible pattern and uh, it was not done willy-nilly if we started saying
1: haddockle instead of fishy we could make haddock just have the c Sure.
3: Yes. Definitely.
0: Haddock <laughs> is from the sea. Oh goodness.
3: <laughs> All right. Oh, another wow. one. We can't. We can't not talk about these. And not talk about the theater.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yes. As opposed to the theatre. <laughs> I always say, Shea Theater, spelled in the unpretentious way, E R, yeah. as opposed to R E. Yeah.
3: Like no, it's double really edge. It's, it's, I love you, double edge. It's not so much pretentious as it is just older, mm-hmm. and not American. Okay, my favorite one, though, and this one does have some legs. This one does get some use. It is uh, W-I-M-M-E-N.
1: Oh, yeah, women. Women. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. As far as I know, women is the only word in the English language where the letter O says i. Mm which is it's just it's wrong. I mean it's right. it's strange and it's 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 I mean when I say wrong I'm I'm actually stepping back into my long ago history as a teacher. I used to be a reading specialist and so I had to teach dyslexic people how to read and spell. And a word like women is just horrific for someone who is trying to spell.
0: Especially with woman singular and women plural being essentially spelled the same way except for the vowel that doesn't really change that much at the beginning the schwa
3: sound right yep yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah. if we had only listened noah webster are we neglecting the other pioneer in the attempt to change the spelling in the english language even though we're celebrating noah webster this week because it was his birthday and not bringing up prince
3: yes we are
0: okay he did a Great job changing lots of spelling, lots of different things, and those were very popular. I would die for I would you. Die for you. <laughs> <laughs> you're
3: dying
1: on this That's hill. This what you're doing. <laughs>
0: Tomorrow on The Fabulous 413, we don't usually do this, but it's going to be all politics all the time. And
1: it's totally going to be okay. We'll head back to the city formerly known as the city known as the town of Greenfield and
0: speak with the second candidate for Greenfield mayor, Ginny DeSorger, and hear her visions for that city. Plus our weekly chat with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern. If you've got a question for the congressman, you can email us, thefab413 at nepm.org, and we'll ask.
1: Thanks to the tireless Fab 413 team, we're gonna leave now when they say nice things about us because it makes us uncomfortable. But hopefully that will encourage you to donate 800-639-8850.
0: Just like Mark from Montague did, who says he donated in honor of author Khalees Smith, just to hear her cringe on the air again. 800-639-8850. You can hear it, you can hear me cringing. (laughs)